All right. Well, good morning. Glad that uh, we can all be together this morning. If, uh, if you happen not to know it, maybe you're a guest with us this morning. Um, I'm, my name is Thomas. I'm one of the pastors here with the church. And if you are a guest, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Special welcome to you. And I'm uh, uh, glad that we can be um, together here. I, again, if you're a guest, you might not know this. I happen to, uh, I, I don't normally uh, preach, but I get the chance to do it about every four to six weeks or so. And uh, here I am again today and, and really happy to be with you here this morning. Um, please pray with me again and we'll continue. Oh Lord, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the gift of an opportunity to be together like this as a church body and to sing the kind of songs that we've sung and to pray the kind of prayers that we've prayed and now a chance to get into your word uh, in the form of a sermon here. And I, I just simply ask that you would help us, help us to hear from you, help us to be led by you this morning. Please fill us fresh with your Holy Spirit to empower us again to hear from you, hear, the, hear your voice in your word, in the scriptures, and, uh, and be led by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, well, we're going to begin a new sermon series here uh, this morning. Um, so, uh, as I have uh, opportunity to preach here sort of in the months to come, again, I'm not, I'm not up here every Sunday, but as I have the chance to preach, I'm going to begin to lead us through now the book of Proverbs, okay? We're going to jump into Proverbs here, and uh, I think that this will be helpful for, for us. I'm looking forward to this, this journey. Uh, one writer says this, he says, practical wisdom for living is the central concern of the book of Proverbs, Okay, so practical wisdom for living, the central concern of the book of Proverbs. And uh, to any degree that that's true, I mean, who doesn't want that? Who, who doesn't need that? Practical living or practical wisdom for living. And I think this journey through the book of Proverbs is going to help us with that. And uh, I think we can see, we're going to see together that the book of Proverbs is just intensely practical. Um, the book covers almost every conceivable category of life circumstances. Um, uh, it's just addressed throughout the book, many, many different topics. Topics like money, um, leadership, sex, uh, friendship, relationships, worship, and on and on. These things, all these kinds of topics. And it's pretty cool to think about that the, the fact that the Bible actually offers us wisdom to navigate um, these areas of, of life in practical ways. And the, the, the book of Proverbs is sort of the, like a prime source of that biblical wisdom um, for that daily living. So again, I just really look forward to moving through the book with you. Um, uh, I'm lo- looking forward to hearing its counsel, receiving its counsel with you. I think we'll, um, we'll be helped a, a great deal. And uh, what I want to do with this series uh, you, you can kind of think of this series as like, uh, I might say, meditations in Proverbs. Okay, so I'm just going to be grabbing a, a few verses um, from each chapter. I'm not going to be uh, getting into every word of every sentence of every chapter in the book of, Hebrew, or book of uh, Proverbs here. Um, and, uh, but I'll, I'll grab a few verses, uh, make some observations, try to draw out some applications. So meditations in Proverbs as we move ahead. And uh, that said, just for the sake of today, for the sake of this message today, really I just want to sort of get us introduced to the book of Proverbs, uh, give some basic background information on the book, and make some uh, what I think are important sort of introductory uh, comments 
uh, related to sort of the book as a whole, okay? So that's the direction we're going today. And for that, we're just going to jump right in and read the first seven verses of Proverbs. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Proverbs chapter 1. And we're just going to look at verses 1 through 7. And if you don't happen to have your Bibles, that's okay. Um, The words will be on the screen behind me. Um, And I think that we're going to see, I think you'll see as we get into even just these first seven verses, these are good verses that sort of give us a ground that we can sort of jump off of, move off of, to to get sort of some basic background information. And it's a good platform for for some of the introductory comments that I'll, I'll I'll mention, okay? All right, so Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. All right, amen. All right, so first of all, who wrote the book of Proverbs? Well, we've got pretty good direction on that right away at verse 1. So verse 1 again, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Okay, so King Solomon, he was uh, sort of the favored son of King David. Uh, He was the third king um, in Israel. He's, uh, he's the king who, when God said that he could ask him for anything he wanted, wealth, power, whatever you want, Solomon asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom to govern the people of God. And Solomon really is considered probably the wisest of figures in the Old Testament. And Solomon is credited um, with writing most of what we have here in Proverbs. And uh, uh, as I say, if you, you look into this a bit, you'll see that he's credited with, with most of it. There's a little bit of debate about it, but I really don't personally see any reason to doubt that. Um, maybe Solomon didn't write like literally every proverb in the book. Uh, he maybe collected these sayings. He maybe edited them a bit, but in, 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 a, in, in a big way, he's got a kind of a big footprint in the book of Proverbs. Um, there are, there are uh, parts of the book that uh, as we'll see in later chapters, that really likely were not written by uh, Solomon. Um, but again, I think he is responsible for, for most of what we have in Proverbs. Um, but there are a few others that have contributed to it as well. And probably the, the final form of this book actually took like a few hundred years to actually come together. Um, so it's not like Solomon sat down one day, wrote it all, and there, boom, there's the book of Proverbs. But it actually took a few hundred years probably to kind of pull it all together. Um, and again, I think Solomon has the biggest footprint here. Um, so just basic there on, on who wrote it. Um, now, to whom was Proverbs written? And I think we get a quick insight into that just right away in verses 4 to 5. So if you look there, again, verses 4 to 5, you can see it says, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear an increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, okay? So you see there the, those, the, the simple, the youth, and the wise. And I think those really are probably the main groups of people that um, originally were sort of the target audience, we could say, for the book of Proverbs. 
And uh, related to the simple and the youth, um, there's some debate over this, but I, I think that, that probably this book was intended originally for older boys who were sort of creeping up on adulthood, just on the brink of adulthood, or for young men who were essentially being trained for positions uh, of leadership like in the uh, Israel government, in the, in the court of Israel, we could say maybe, the royal court. One, one writer actually says this. He says, it was originally written for budding royal officials. Okay, And being young, um, one of the traits that marked these young men is that they were simple. They were simple. Um, Proverbs, is, as we move through this, you're going to see that it uses that word a lot, simple. That's one of the main uh, characters, sort of, we could say, in the book, the simple. And the simple person is one who is essentially uncommitted. He's uncommitted. He's open-minded. But he's not, but he, but he's not open-minded in like a good way, uh, where he's, he's being wise, he's, he's, he's uh, uh, studying things out, he's weighing his options, but he's open-minded in more of a naive way. Uh, he's, he's gullible. He's easily persuaded, the simple is. And actually, he loves being uncommitted like that. He enjoys being uncommitted like that. Um, so in, in chapter 1, verse 22, we didn't read this, um, but it says, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? So there's the, these simple ones find a certain kind of satisfaction with their, with their being uncommitted. And uh, I would venture to say that, that we can feel ourselves in that sometimes, can't we? Don't we sometimes like to sort of keep our options open? We don't really want to get too locked into too rigid of a, of a commitment. Um, sort of just keep our calendars open, see what the days might uh, provide for us. There's an appeal to that. It, it's like, uh, it feels freeing to have that. I, I know that's for sure something I wrestle with. I like to uh, sort of be um, careful about how, too rigid of a calendar. And uh, this will happen with us, actually, my wife and I, uh, like before my day is off, for example. She wants to, usually, she wants to plan what we're going to do the next day, especially with this day off that we have. And she wants to know what we're going to do. I often just sort of want to wake up, take the day as it comes. Um, I don't want to plan all the times because if I plan, then I'm committed to something. And then if something comes up that might seem like a better option, well, now I'm locked into something else. So it's this kind of, it's actually a very self-centered uh, kind of way of looking th- at things. And so there's a, I can kind of slip into that simple uh, way of looking at things a little bit. It's not identical to what we have in Proverbs, but it's, it's pretty close. It's, it's very similar. So the similar, or rather the simple, the, the uncommitted, uh, naively open-minded, Proverbs is addressing this person specifically and especially because the book wants to shape this person um, this person is sort of at a, a crossroads. They could, go the, they could go either way. They could go a good direction, a wise direction, or they could go a foolish direction, a, a bad direction. Uh, because being simple, again, he's, he's susceptible, he's gullible, he's impressionable, and so he can go either way. Um, now, probably these young men, uh, these were simply, or, or, or these simple men were, were mainly in view originally, uh, but just given the, 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 the use of Proverbs uh, over time, uh, its use over time, its use within Israel, um, uh, and also just given the nature of wisdom literature as a genre, um, 
as one commentator says, he says that the material has been democratized for all of Israel's youth. So this really, this isn't just for young men. It's not just, it, it, it is also for young women. Um, it's for young men and young women. Um, but it's also not just for young men or young wom- women, as that might be connected to um, sort of uh, positions of leadership or, or royal service of, of some kind. It's not just for that sort of high society, royal court. There is a lot in Proverbs that, that tends to have that feel to it, uh, high society, royal court stuff. But there are a lot of descriptions also in Proverbs that are, are just like life on the family farm, so to speak. Um, this was an agrarian society, and there's a lot here in the book that's just related to everyday life working in and around the family farm, we could say. And, uh, and also, often Proverbs, um, we see a lot of dialogue between uh, like a parent and a child, okay? We, we, we already see it right away in chapter 1. We didn't read these verses, but verses 8 down through 19, you have a, a parent speaking to a child. And, and often throughout Proverbs, the wise instruction that comes, comes on the lips of parents. We see that a lot in, in this book. And so the instruction here in Proverbs, it's not just about life in high society. Um, it's not just about uh, maybe like a teacher, a, a high-class teacher teaching a, in a high-powered school or something like that. But there's much here that's just applicable to everyday life in the land. Everyday life with hardworking moms, hardworking dads that are just committed to trying to raise up their kids well, raise up their kids to, to move along a good, wise path. And so it's for boys and it's for girls that are in the home still. It's for young men and young women who are sort of on the edge of maybe leaving the home. Um, and it is especially for those in that sort of simple-minded stage of understanding where they're, they could go either way. Which direction are they they're going to go? They're, 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 um, they're susceptible, they're impressionable. Are they going to go down a good path or are they going to go down a bad path? Also, Proverbs is not just for uh, younger folks and the so-called simple folks. Um, it's also for those who would be considered wise. So presumably, parents and teachers, um, others that are represented in this book, um, who have gained some wisdom uh, with, with, with life experience and with study over time. Um, and they need help too. Um, they need help to, to keep walking in the wise path um, uh, just as much as anybody else. So uh, verse 5 again says, let the wise hear and increase in learning. So there, there's a call here for, for the wise as well. And again, presumably older people, teachers, parents, others. There's a call here to continue to study hard, continue to get experience, continue to observe life. This is how you will grow in wisdom. You study, you get experiences, you, you make observations about life, and you'll grow in wisdom in that. So the young, the simple, the wise, moms, dads, kids, young adults, high society, not so high society, just essentially this book is for everyone, okay? So so where are you? You know, what, where, which character are you? Where do you fit? It is, this book is for you. There will be instruction and wisdom for you. There is instruction. There is wisdom in this book for me. Where are we in sort of the cast of characters, maybe we could say? Um, Proverbs also talks a lot about others like scoffers and fools. Maybe that's where you're going to find yourself. I don't know. Um, 
and these scoffers, these fools, um, those are really, they've sort of started to take that step down the wrong path. They've, they, they, they were simple, and now they've stepped toward the wrong path. And so it's sort of a, uh, like a gradation of simple to sort of to fool. And the fool is worse than the simple. The fool is, is he's someone who essentially discounts God. He essentially disregards God. It's not necessarily that he doesn't believe in God. It's more that he disregards him. It's like God doesn't, he just doesn't make that, he just doesn't bear on my life that much. Uh, He's not worth really paying attention to. Um, Disregards God. Kind of living as if God doesn't exist. So uh, Psalm 14 verse 1 says this. Um, It says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There's none who does good. That's the fool. And really, that's the height of folly. The height of folly is essentially to disregard God. Again, treating him as if he doesn't exist. Not necessarily not believing, but just disregarding him. He has no bearing on my life. Um, That's the fool. But if the fool keeps stepping, stepping even further down that bad path, we get to the scoffer. And the scoffer is really hardened, okay? He, he's more overtly opposed to God. Uh, and, and he's wise in his own eyes. Um, so he, he might, and he might appear wise. He might uh, be very, uh, appear very sophisticated. But his, he might actually be very intelligent. But his, his wisdom is, is just totally secular. There's no accounting for God whatsoever in his thinking. And here's the, bad, the really bad thing. He's unteachable. Um, one commentator says that the great sin of Proverbs is being unteachable, unteachability. This attitude, disposition uh, of not wanting to be taught. Um, that's the scoffer. So simple is kind of the starting place, and then the simple can step toward folly, can step toward scoffing, or can step toward righteousness, can step towards wisdom. And in other words that we see in those first seven verses, righteousness, justice, equity, We'll get into some of those things um, in, in future messages. But, so th- those are just, just basic, basic uh, bit of background here uh, for the book uh, as far as who and, 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 and what. Um, but now why? Why is Proverbs even in the Bible? Wh- why do we have this book? What's the purpose of this book? And, uh, and here's where I want to spend a little bit more time uh, this morning, um, really the rest of the time that we have. Uh, what is the purpose of Proverbs? Why is it in the Bible? And I want to suggest that there are a couple purposes here for the book. And one relates uh, to maybe we could call it the, like just, a, just a basic purpose of the book. And then the other is something that I think is it's a larger, it's a more robust reason for this book. Okay, so first of all, uh, excuse me. Originally, um, I think the purpose of the book, the basic purpose of the book, is actually pretty straightforward. Um, Proverbs really exist essentially to put wise living on display and to try to instill that wisdom in its readers. Um, that's a, just a, a basic reason and, and not too difficult, I think, to discern that that's why Proverbs is, was written. But it begs the question, what is wisdom? I mean, what are we even talking about? If it's all about getting wisdom, then what are we talking about with regard to wisdom? 
And I think probably a good basic kind of working definition of what wisdom is, it is that it's the skill of godly living. The skill of godly living. So wisdom is having knowledge of God, knowledge of his world. It's, it's knowing God's promises and his commands. It's having a sense of his desires. And then it is applying that knowledge well in any given circumstance. Um, to, 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 to apply that in any given circumstance to make choices that really do reflect the heart of God. Um, and, and, and this is done in every detail of life. Uh, and sometimes we don't know exactly what God might desire in every circumstance. Um, we don't have explicit commands or explicit promises for, for every detail um, of life. And so wisdom is really the skill of taking what we do know in his commands, what we do know with his promises, and, and what we do know about just a, a God-centered worldview, about the way the world works, and sort of pressing the, the principles of those things and the character and the heart of God into the details of our, our lives. And wisdom is, is very, it's, it's multifaceted. It's, it's hard really to sum up with just one word. Um, so uh, David Hubbard says this. David Hubbard says that the, the Hebrew word for wisdom is probably the, the broadest, most inclusive term that's available to depict the combination of observation, obedience, careful planning, prudent conduct, and sensitivity to God's will. All those things are wrapped up in the idea of wisdom. And so the concept of wisdom, it really is multifaceted. There's intellectual components to it. There's experiential sides to it. It's, it's moral. Um, and you see all these different words right away in the first seven verses um, all these words that are basically synonymous, and they kind of help to fill out what wisdom is. So words like instruction, understanding, uh, prudence, discretion, learning. These are, these are different words, so there is nuance to their individual meanings, uh, but probably the, the, the writer Solomon here isn't really intending, intending for us to sort of pick those individual words apart necessarily, um, although we can do that, but probably Solomon is sort of just stacking up all these words, um, as David Hubbard also says. Really, it's more their accumulative force that is what the teacher's trying to get at, rather than like the nuance of every individual word um, in the sentence. Um, and uh, in light of that, Tim Keller says this. Tim Keller says that the main word for wisdom in Proverbs includes being moral, but it goes beyond that. It, it's making the right choice even when there's no clear laws telling you explicitly what to do. And we run into that all the time. Wisdom, uh, some decisions require only knowledge, like the proper medicine to take. And some only compliance with rules, like whether to commit adultery or not. Pretty clear. But no Bible verse will tell you exactly whom to marry, which job to take, uh, whether to move, to stay put. Yet a wrong decision can be disastrous. Uh, and Keller uh, goes on to say, he says, wisdom often comes through the pain of personal confrontation by friends or from learning from one's mistakes or from the, suffer the suffering that God judiciously allows into our lives. Every time your car breaks down, for example, you have to figure out how to fix it. 
you become wiser about cars. And so it is with life. Hey, some good ways to think about wisdom. I actually um, had, had a chance to get a little wiser this last week. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'd be interested in a show of hands. Anybody's furnace go kaput in this crazy cold weather that we've had? Anybody? Only me? All right. Okay. Well, I didn't expect that. But So it's 30 below, and our furnace uh, starts to kaput on us. And uh, so that, that, this happened on Wednesday, and so that forced me to, to take some time. I had to monkey around on the inside of the, the furnace, try to figure out what the problem was, try to figure out how to fix it. Um, thankfully, it ended up not being that big of a deal. It was a pretty easy fix. Um, but it did take some time to sort of diagnose the problem. And basically what had happened is, uh, I think it's the air exchange or something, uh, this big insulation tube coming in from the outside of my house, uh, pouring 30 below, you know, air directly onto this uh, drain tube that the, that the, uh, the uh, furnace had. Um, so we were able to break out the hair dryer, thaw that out. I disconnected some tubes, drained it, put it back together, and it got up and running in just a couple hours. So I'm thankful for that. But through that, um, so you'd, my car didn't break down, but I had this furnace issue, and I got a little wiser about my furnace. Um, so I'm just a little bit wiser now, not just knowing sort of that my, my furnace has all these tubes, but now I know what they're for. I know what their function is. I know how to help them work well together. I'm a little bit wiser about what severely cold weather can do to a furnace. I guess I didn't really even know that, that it could create the problems that it had, but um, now I know that thing. I'm a little bit wiser from that hard experience. Um, here's another Keller quote. He says this, he says, another aspect of wisdom is insight. This means the ability to notice distinctions and shades of difference where, there, where others might see a blur. So you can see nuance to things. To be wise is to recognize multiple options and possible courses of action where others can imagine only one or two. Wisdom also discerns the difference, not just between right or wrong, which is good, but also among good, better, and best. Um, so with this uh, furnace debacle that I was engaged in earlier this week, um, my wife was initially much wiser than I was in approaching this. Um, so for me, the furnace started acting up, and there was one option. Call the repair guy. Have him come out and fix the furnace. That's, that's the option. Call someone to come get it. That was the option we had. But my wife, she's thinking, no, we can call your dad. We can call my brother. We can call others in the family who might know something about furnaces. Um, we can just think together who else might know about furnaces. Let's troubleshoot this thing. Uh, so I'm thinking one call, furnace repair guy. She's thinking, no, like we've got at least four calls that we can make here. At least uh, these, these options we can run down. So wisdom can see multiple options when, when somebody like me sees only one uh, in, that, in that case. Maybe or two. So it's good that we did, by the way, follow my wife's advice because um, we called around, we got good counsel, and, and we were walked through some steps on how to fix it. Excuse me, fix the furnace. We were able to fix the furnace. Didn't cost us any money, and so wisdom will save you money. That's uh, that's kind of the moral of that story. And again, um, all of this is sort of just to say that the concept of wisdom. It's multifaceted. There's a lot going on in, in understanding it. And again, probably the best w just general working definition of it, I think, is to say that it is the skill in godly living. So it has knowledge, 
it has knowledge and it knows how to best apply that knowledge um, to make the best choice in any given situation. And I've always liked this illustration about wisdom. You might, you might, if, maybe you've heard this. Um, you know, knowledge might tell you that a tomato is a fruit. But, but wisdom says you don't put tomato in a fruit salad. So you have knowledge, but you apply that knowledge well. You, you don't put a tomato in a fruit salad. So wisdom rightly applies knowledge. Now, especially with regard to godly living in everyday circumstances uh, of life. And again, originally, the book of Proverbs, uh, it, it, I think it just exists essentially to put wise living on display and to try to instill that wisdom in its readers. Uh, now, another way to speak about wisdom is in light of verse 7. Verse 7 is a deeply important verse. It really sets the theme for the entire book of Proverbs. So look at verse 7 again. Uh, verse 7 again says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Or over in chapter 9, verse 10, the writer says there that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So in this case, kind of wisdom and knowledge being used a little bit interchangeably. And uh, Psalm 111, verse 10 says the same thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, um, the fear of the Lord. Okay, first, who is this Lord? This is Yahweh. The writer Solomon is talking about Yahweh, the personal God, the, the personal name that God gave, revealed to his people in the Old Testament and who is now our God today through Jesus. It's, it's, the, it's the fear of, uh, of this God that is the beginning of wisdom. So not just little g God, not just some random God, but the creator God, the one and only God, the personal God of his people who is our God now through Jesus Christ. And it's the fear of him that is the beginning of wisdom. So, in other words, it's the foundation of wisdom. It's the starting place of wisdom. Um, it's the aim of wisdom. Uh, and really, in a sense, it is wisdom itself, in a sense. To fear God is to be wise. You remember I quoted earlier Psalm 14, verse 1. The fool says in his heart that there is no God. Well, the wise says there is a God. There is a God. The, the wise acknowledge that there is a God. The wise know that he's not God, but God is God. The wise know that. The wise love that. The wise live their lives in light of that. So the wise know who God is and what he has done, and they know who they are in light of what he has done. They know his promises. They know his commands. And the wise make decisions in life um, uh, with, with, with this God bearing on those decisions, uh, always accounting for God's heart in their decisions. So uh, maybe a silly example, but if I'm driving home um, and I'm going to stop at the grocery store, um, I know that I have a wife and kids, and, and their lives bear on my life. They have an influence, an impact on my life. And I know that my wife and kids have desires related to groceries. So if I'm in the grocery store, I'm going to stop, I'm going to call, or I'm going to text my wife and find out what are her desires. What do, what do the kids want? Is there anything that I should, should pick up? And so like in that moment at the grocery store, I'm letting the fact, of my wife's and kids' existence and influence and desires on me sort of 
be felt and impact my decisions. It's sort of mundane as that might be. And so I, I'm trying to respect my family in that moment. I'm trying to honor my family in that moment. It could be said I'm trying to fear my family in that moment. That's a bit of what it means, I think, to fear the Lord. It's to live in light of who he is and what he's done for us and what are his promises for me, what are his commands for me. And here's the thing, it's letting those things always have the chief influence in my decisions. Basically, to fear the Lord is to let God have the chief influence in my decisions and in my life. And uh, I'll say more, a little bit more about the fear of the Lord in just a few minutes, just a little bit more. But again, this is the basic reason why Proverbs is in the Bible, I think. It's to show us wisdom, it's to instill wisdom in us, and it's to help us to become wise, understanding that there is no wisdom apart from the fear of the Lord. In fact, fear of the Lord in itself is wisdom. Now, I mentioned a bigger, I think, more robust reason why Proverbs is in the Bible. Um, I think... I think there is something more than simply picturing wisdom for us. Um, It's more than simply trying to instill wisdom in us. us. Uh, More than that, Proverbs is meant to point us to Jesus. That's why Proverbs is in the Bible. There's one way that we could answer that question. Why is it in the Bible? It's meant to point us to Jesus. That's why it's in the Bible. Um, The book of Proverbs, the various wisdom speeches that are in the book, the poetry that's there, the sayings that are here in this book, the admonitions, all the other different types of writing that are in Proverbs, it's all meant to point us to Jesus. All meant to point to him. Jesus died for our sins, and if we'll trust him for that, uh, he died for us. He was killed in our place, um, uh, taking on the wrath of God that we deserve because of our sin, and he was raised up from the dead guaranteeing that we have God's forgiveness and his favor and his promise to be with him forever. Jesus did that. And, and in Luke 24, after Jesus was raised from the dead, again, that rising from the dead, guaranteeing our forgiveness and our favor and our promise to be with him forever. After he rose from the dead in Luke 24, Jesus explains to his disciples that all of the Old Testament, which includes the book of Proverbs, points to him. Say things about him. So Luke 24, verse 27, it says that Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And then further down in that chapter, verse 46 and following, thus it is written, Jesus is saying, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. So I take that to mean Jesus is saying that the book of Proverbs is meant to point us to Jesus. It's meant to point us to, it's meant to point us not even just generally to Jesus, but specifically to Jesus saying what's written sort of across the scriptures, which is that Christ died for our sins. And if we'll repent, there's forgiveness that is available to us. He died and he rose. So why was Proverbs written? What's its purpose? One way to answer that is that it's meant to point us to Jesus. Now that said, I just, just in the few minutes here that I have at the, at, at, towards the end here, just let me, I want to uh, just sort of mention a couple ways, definitely not an exhaustive list, but a couple ways that we can see Jesus in the book of Proverbs. Um, we see him. We're pointed to him. Uh, we see the things that are concerning him, as Jesus maybe said or would say. Okay, so first of all, um, the book of Proverbs is a call to wisdom. Okay, it's, it's to be wise. Proverbs even personifies wisdom, puts 
wisdom into a character of lady wisdom. And we, we see her show up right away in chapter 1. We didn't read from there. Uh, we'll encounter her in later chapters as well. Um, and and uh, wisdom is calling out to us. Uh, she's calling us to follow her. She's calling us to learn from her. Calling us to be wise, to choose the wise path. She's warning us not to take the bad path and the, the, the calamity that will befall us if we choose to uh, ignore her. And that is essentially a call from Jesus. That is a call from Jesus. It's a call to come and follow Jesus. It's a call to come and embrace Jesus, to trust Jesus, understand his teaching to be led by him. Um, Actually, in the New Testament, at one point in Jesus' ministry, uh, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus refers to himself and he says, something greater than Solomon is here. So think of that in light of reading the book of Proverbs. Something greater than Solomon is here. It's Jesus. And, and so just linking this, this wisdom with Jesus, um, notice some things here in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, the Apostle Paul says that you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. Jesus is our wisdom from God. Okay, And in that same context, um, Paul says that this wisdom is what he also calls the word of the cross. Interesting. The word of the cross is this wisdom, Paul says. That's another way to say the word about Jesus, the good news about Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, this word that says Jesus died for our sin and rose for, from the dead. That's God's chief display of wisdom. It's God's plan to secure his people for himself, the people that he loves, to secure them for all time. Um, Also in 1 Corinthians 1, same context, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23 and following, Paul says that he preaches Christ crucified. And he says that that also is what he calls wisdom. The word of the cross is wisdom. Jesus is wisdom. Christ crucified is wisdom. That is the wisdom of God. For those of us who are trusting in Jesus, he is our wisdom. He is the fulfillment of God's wisest plan. He is the fulfillment of God's plan to save us from our sin, to save us from our sin's consequences. So wisdom cries out in Proverbs and says, follow me. Well, that points us to Jesus. That points us to Jesus, that prefigures Jesus, that anticipates Jesus, that, that foreshadows Jesus, who is now calling us to himself and says, come follow me and let me save you. Let me save you from your foolish ways. Let me save you from your sin. Follow me, Jesus is saying. So that's one way that we see Jesus in the book of Proverbs. One way that Proverbs points us to Jesus, uh, it's to see things concerning Jesus. He is essentially speaking as the voice of wisdom throughout the book of Proverbs. And, you know, sort of linking, linking that uh, uh, wisdom and, 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 and what Jesus is saying and what Lady Wisdom is saying, that's another way to speak about the fear of the Lord. Okay, this is another way to think about the idea of the fear of the Lord, connecting wisdom to Jesus. Um, so this is a second way that I would mention that we can see Jesus in Proverbs. Um, Notice Psalm 147, verse 11. The psalmist there says, The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. 
Okay, so those who fear God in that verse are the same ones who hope in God's steadfast love. And, and uh, uh, so, so one of the ways that we can think of what it means to fear God is that it means to hope in his steadfast love. And, and uh, to hope in God's uh, greatest expression, greatest display of love, and the only way that he secures his love for his people, well, that's through Jesus. That's through his ministry. And so if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, it's the beginning of wisdom, we, we could say that hoping in God's steadfast love is the beginning of wisdom. Or another way to say it, hoping in Jesus is the beginning of wisdom. So, so Jesus is in this book, to be sure, and uh, we're going we're gonna to see Jesus in Proverbs here in various ways as we move through um, the message and the series together. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to pointing him out uh, as we move through the book of Proverbs. Um, really, this is how I'm even thinking of a, a title to this sermon series. It's the wisdom of Jesus, meditation in Proverbs. That's a way we could think of it. So practical wisdom for daily life. Proverbs, very concerned with that. Uh, it's, it's wisdom calling us, but ultimately hear Jesus calling us in, in this book. Jesus is the, the consummate wise one. He's the greatest wise one, greater than Solomon. And he's the consummate or the greatest wise son. A son, children get a lot of instruction in this book. He's the greatest wise son. And so he's calling us to learn from him, to trust in him, to, to follow him. And, I've, and I've, I've said, I just think this hope, I hope this journey through the book of Proverbs will help us to, uh, to see him and, uh, and, and follow him more closely. Please pray with me. Lord, thank you for the chance to open up Proverbs 1, these first seven verses. We believe um, by your grace that, that uh, this is your word to us. And I, and I would pray that you give us uh, the kind of wisdom that this book is calling for. And I uh, pray simply that you would help us to um, follow Jesus. You would help us to ha- let, let Jesus have the greatest influence on the decisions that we make from day to day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.